time for the NWO Orthopedic Sports Huddle. From the Fricker Studios. On Classic Hits 96.7 WBBI. On ESPN 1430 AM. And at 105.7 FM WFOB. The Sports Huddle is brought to you by NWO Orthopedics. Frickers. Warner Automotive. By Blanchard Valley Health System. Rotor Rooter. Bigby Coffee. By Northwestern Water and Sewer District. Wilson Tire. Grit. By MJ Brown Construction Company. Premier Bank. Campus Poly By Financial Design Insurance Agency. Snyder's Flooring Outlet. Ohio Automotive Supply. Seneca Millwork. Five Star Maintenance. And by the Rumpy Corporation. And now. Let's go live to Lance and Matt from the Fricker Studios for the NWO Orthopedic Sports Huddle. Welcome on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios on ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI. Lance Moore's Matt Common here with you tonight. Thank you again for making us a part of your Wednesday night. Matt, how are you doing? Oh, well, I mean, I feel like death warmed over, but I'm doing really good otherwise. And we got a great show on deck for you guys tonight. It's it's going to be fun. We're talking college football playoff. We're talking Van Buren basketball tonight, which also means we get to make fun of Dan Hartzell a little bit. I hope he's listening. That's right, Dan. We're making fun of you again, but that's only because you keep getting my name wrong when we go to any venue that you happen to host. But ah, we love Dan Hartzell here. He's he's awesome. But no, we got, man, just a stacked, stacked show for you guys tonight. So I I, I may be feeling crummy, but I am loaded up on DayQuil and optimism so let's do this thing let's get into the show we got a great one on tap on this edition of the nwo orthopedics sports auto from the fricker studios we will of course talk with kevin harris right from meet at midfield along with awful announcing and the comeback to talk ohio state football the buckeyes will be in the college football playoff they will play georgia on new year's eve we'll hear from kevin in just a few minutes lots of things to talk about in college football we'll talk with van buren head boys basketball coach mark bunn coming off an 0-2 weekend against lb and og they will play macomb this friday night we'll talk with coach bunn in a little less than an hour and we'll talk with Jaden tabler first year head coach of the van buren girls basketball team they won big against arcadia over the weekend and against hard northern last night they'll continue league play when they take on macomb on thursday night we'll talk with coach tabler later on in the show, and we we might not be physically at the Frickers in Finley, but stop in for their daily specials. Monday, boneless frickin' chicken wings day. Tuesday, frickin' chicken wings day. Tonight, you can get their sirloin steak dinner. Thursday, their frickin' chicken chunks. Kids eat free all day, every day at Frickers. You can pick up from the carryout window, dine in, or get delivery through DoorDash. All daily specials, dine in only. Find them online at frickers.com and download the Frickers app. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Kevin Harris, writer for Meet at Midfield, along with awful announcing and the comeback here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. It's 10 p.m. and oh shoot, you didn't make that appointment for your aching knee. Guess what? Northwest Ohio Orthopedics is making it easier for patients to schedule their appointments. Online scheduling is now available. Hop online and schedule right away with whatever day and time works best for you and your family. The new online scheduling benefit is available at all six NWO locations. Finlay, Tiffin, Fremont, Fastoria, Bluffton, and Bowling Green. NWO is always working to make things easier for their patients. Go online, schedule, and bam, done. Frickin' chicken chunks, frickin' chicken chunks, frickin' chicken chunks, frickin' chicken chunks. When there's no time to make food for your holiday party, carry out four pounds of frickin' chicken chunks for only $34.99. 
the gift that always fits, a $25 Frickers gift card, and get five freaking bonus bucks free. Let them get what they really want. Hi, this is Dawn from the Classic Hits Morning Show, and I've just heard that not all roofs are created equal. Is that true? That is true, Dawn. It's solely dependent on the people installing it. Hi, folks. This is Matt from MJ Brown Roofing Construction Company in Tiffin, Ohio. We're a family-owned company that's been in business since 1936. We're a full-service roofing contractor that have been working on both residential and commercial roofs. So no matter what type of roof you want, we have the expertise and the crews needed to install and maintain your roof for years to come. Call 419-447-5864 for a free, no-obligation inspection and quote today. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. And by the caring employees of the Ropey Corporation. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios on ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, Classic It's 96.7 WBVI, Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you this Wednesday night. Last week, the Buckeyes did not play in the Big Ten title game, but USC lost and that moved the Buckeyes up to the number four spot. To get the last spot in the college football playoff, they will play top-ranked Georgia on New Year's Eve. You can, of course, listen to Buckeye football all season long on WFOB. We're now pleased to be joined here by Kevin Harris, writer from Meet at Midfield, awful announcing and the comeback here in the Frickers Zoom room. Kevin, how you doing? Pretty good. How about you, Lance? Oh, pretty good. Thank you again for, for taking the time to talk to us. We always greatly appreciate your insight, and we'll, we'll look ahead to the matchup with Georgia in, in a little bit. We've got some other things in college football that we, of course, need to discuss. First of those being championship weekend across all of college football. Of course, USC beats USC, and in the Pac-12 title game, that, of course, opens up things for the Buckeyes. Georgia, they win big against LSU, even though the score doesn't quite show it how dominant Georgia was in that one. Similar thing for Michigan over Purdue. Uh, Kansas State, of course, edging out TCU in overtime. TCU still stays pad at the third spot. What were some of those big things you saw from a championship weekend? Well, I mean, obviously the biggest was USC losing to to Utah. Um, I mean, I, I, I was I was stunned, really, at how many national writers were just like, furious that Ohio State was going to get in the playoff and it's like what like what did you think was going to happen USC lost two games to a team that the committee views as worse than Michigan and one of them was an equal loss uh, arguably even a worse loss than Ohio State had to Michigan like I think there's a misconception here that everybody talks about the the 13th data point of the um, championship weekend I think there's kind of a misconception here that like that can only help you. And that's just not the case. It just gives you another, the committee, another point to evaluate your team. Like, obviously you want to have that because it, if you do well, it can help you. But like the reality is that like playing in a conference championship game doesn't always help you, you know? And I think everybody just assumes that it does because the first time Ohio state annihilated Wisconsin and uh, got into the college football playoff, but like they didn't get into the playoff because they beat Wisconsin because they had a 13th game. They got in the playoff because they absolutely annihilated the number 10 team in the country. If they win by like three in that game, I really don't think they make the playoff. If they lose, they certainly, you know, don't make the playoff either and they fall down. So I just think there's a misconception about what this is. Like 
yes, you got to the conference title game, but you still have to win. And that's always been the case. So um, I thought that was a little weird, but um, I think that other than that, it was kind of a non-eventful conference championship weekend because outside of that, it seems as though the other games like didn't matter at all. You know, like um, Georgia, Michigan, like obviously they kind of rolled in their games, but it, you got the feeling that they were going to be, you know, probably even the same seed if they lost, um, maybe they would have flip-flopped or something like that. And then TCU obviously lost in overtime uh, and stayed at number three. Now, I, I don't I don't know what would have happened if that game, that game was kind of getting out of hand from TCU for a while. I don't know what it would have looked like in the committee rankings if um, TCU would have lost, you know, in regulation by maybe 10 to 20 points or something like that. Maybe they dropped down to four. I don't really know. But um, obviously, they weren't going anywhere either. So really, the only switch you saw was uh, Ohio State and USC. Well, and I think another thing that uh, people love to talk about when it comes to conference championship games is that each league has their own set of rules, whereas had you gotten rid of the East and West divisions in just the Big Ten and in the SEC – you have two you have different opponents for those games because you would have obviously you have Ohio State then playing Michigan again right away if there were not the split in the Big Ten. And for the SEC, I think it would have been Tennessee had had yeah. uh, had uh, they gotten rid of that rule and they allowed Tennessee, even though they had, you know, only the few losses in the SEC, they they then would have played rather than LSU. And I mean, I think that's just another thing people need to keep in mind because that's just one of those other variables. It's like, oh, well, Ohio State's not playing in a Big Ten title game. Yeah, because of the antiquated notion, by and large, of how how the divisions are separated because it was very clear all season long that Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, in some way, shape, or form, were going to be the best teams in the Big Ten, and they're all on one side of the conference. Yeah, I, I think that's that's definitely the case. And that's going to change. It's not changing next year. Next year, they're still going to keep the East-West divisions. Uh, they thought about changing it next year, but they're going to wait to change it and restructure the conference and the conference title game and everything like that until UCLA and USC join the conference in 2024. But yeah, that's totally valid. Um, you know, this, this would have sh- sorted itself out a lot better had Ohio State and Michigan had that immediate rematch in the Big Ten Championship game instead of you know, wasting everybody's time with a game against Purdue that effectively didn't matter. Like, honestly, Michigan could have even sat their starters in that game and it would have been totally fine. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, we're going to make the college football playoff regardless. So, um, I don't know. I I think that it's – people just – they get in their minds what they think should happen and they don't actually, like, take a look around at, like, what the reality is. Like, I think both things are true. Like, Ohio State fans like shouldn't necessarily feel good about like the way that they're backing into the the playoff right now but also like you have to realize that they at this point they objectively deserve it now I would have I would have acted completely different had TCU lost had one loss in the conference title game to a team that they already beat regular or in the regular season and Ohio State got in over them like I don't think that would have been right but like I don't know how you can legitimately look at USC's resume they don't have a win as good as Ohio State's win over Penn State. They obviously beat the same team as Ohio State and Notre Dame is one of their best wins. And they have a worse, two worse, like they have two losses. They lost to the same team twice. And that team is worse 
than Ohio State's loss to Michigan. So, like, I, I don't know. I, I, I just don't understand how that's even a question. And the only thing that you can say is that USC could have just, like, not shown up to that game and they would have been, uh, you know, they would have made the playoff if they would have just simply not played the game and they're getting punished for playing the game. It's like, well, no, you're not. You're getting punished for losing the game, you know? If, if you win, you, uh, you um, might even get a higher seed. You know, it's, it's, it's not like the game's meaningless. So I don't know. I guess it's just like, it's the same people who are complaining that championship games are meaningless that are trying to tell me that um, USC, you know, should have just not played that game. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios on Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with Kevin Harris, writer from Meet at Midfield. Awful announcing and the comeback here in the Frickers Zoom room. And Saturday night, we will find out the winner of the Heisman Trophy. The finalists, Ohio State's C.J. Stroud, Caleb Williams from USC, Stetson Bennett from Georgia, and Max Duggan from TCU. And I think uh, heading into last week, it was pretty clear it would have been Caleb Williams, but then is hurt and doesn't have an amazing performance uh, in that loss to Utah. That kind of opens the door for uh, a change potentially in who wins the Heisman. What do you think is going to happen when uh, when Saturday comes? I think it's still going to be Caleb Williams. I, I think that, I don't know, It's it's a really weird year. I think it's going to be a lot closer than it was before, but like the Vegas odds have Caleb Williams at like minus 1600 or something like, or like that, like to win the Heisman right now, which tells me that like he's going to win the Heisman. Um, whether or not he should is a different question. I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like this is like a weird year that at this point, nobody really deserves it. And I, I think like in the same regard, I, I think we're going to have to start at least considering giving the Heisman out after the college football playoff because you're looking at this and like nobody has earned it up to this point and potentially like the two biggest games of a lot of these contenders careers i mean blake quorum's obviously out but like stroud's still in and caleb williams had a chance to be in too uh dugan's still in stetson bennett's still in like what if one of those guys just like goes off in the playoff and has an incredible year and like you've already given out the heisman trophy i mean i know that's that's just how we've always done it it's always been given out before the title game, but like, especially with us moving to 12 teams, I think that we really need to consider, uh, you know, expanding or moving the the ceremony until after the, after the, um, the uh, playoff, you know, I, I think there's a lot of people who even currently vote before the conference championship weekend, which is, I think why Caleb Williams is, you know, might win by a lot more than he might should based on his championship game performance. But um, I think that they need to stop, like only accept votes after the playoff. I I think that that's what makes sense at this point, because especially when you're going to be adding potentially three more games, like three games of this college football season just isn't included in a player's resume. I don't know. You even look at like, there's, there've been some really great performances in the playoffs that uh, just don't go rewarded because the Heisman's already given out. I think like you even look back at 2014, when Ezekiel Elliott went off in the Big Ten title game, the Sugar Bowl, and the or the championship game, like that should have been he should have been a Heisman finalist. Like I'm not saying that he would have won it over Marcus Mariota, but like the dude rushed for like almost a thousand yards in three games. Like I I, I don't know how you don't wait and give it to a 
a player after that point. So I think this is just proof of that. I don't think anybody has done anything this point to, you know, earn the Heisman trophy. And it's going to be one of those, like, you just have to pick somebody by default. And I think the really easy way to solve that is to um, wait until after the playoff, because at least then you would have like a champion to give it to. Okay, Kevin. And sticking with the whole Heisman thing, um, I'm just going to call it as it is. I think besides CJ Stroud and, Caleb Williams, I think the Heisman's a joke this year. I mean, how do you leave off people like Michael Penix Jr.? How do you leave off Hendon Hooker? How do you leave off Blake Corum or even Bijan Robinson? I mean, it's the the players that got left in the dust so they could make it a quarterback lifetime achievement award kind of situation for some of the college football playoff quarterbacks just just astonishes me. Just absolutely astonishes me. I I love your thoughts on what that what needs to be done to make it no longer a best quarterback on the top ranked team award. Cause it seems to be devolving back into that in the worst possible way. Yeah. I, I think the biggest is quorum, not making it like Blake quorum absolutely deserved to be Heisman trophy candidate. Like absolutely. He missed one game, like one regular season game and he missed part of the Illinois game, but it was after he already had a hundred yards in the first half. Like I, I don't know how he is not a Heisman Trophy finalist. I, and I mean, I don't know. I, I, I guess like there's something to be said about um, Max Dugan. Like he, you know, he's, he's played awesome this year. I have no problem with him being a finalist. Stetson Bennett makes no sense to me. He's nowhere close to the best player on that team. Like not, not even close. He hasn't been the entire year. Like I, it's like, he's just like representing Georgia's team on for the Heisman Trophy. And that's not how that award should work. Um, I, and like obviously Hendon Hooker too. Like I get that he got injured, you know, a few weeks ago and hasn't really had the stats or whatever. But like he was very clearly right up there with Stroud, and at the time was past Williams. So I don't know. I I, I don't know how you one Stetson Bennett gets in there and how uh, Hendon Hooker and Blake Corum are not finalists. But I think it just kind of reflects the reality that there is no clear cut winner, like decided winner. But I think it's really coming down to uh, CJ Stroud and uh, Caleb Williams. I don't think like these are indicative that, you know, because they, they could have invited five, you know, if, if the voting was split that much. But I, I think it's really going to come down to CJ Stroud and uh, Caleb Williams. I think Caleb Williams is going to win and then Stroud will be second by quite a large margin. But um, man, I, I, I really feel for Blake Corum. I, I don't know how he wasn't invited this year. Well, and I guess just to have a follow-up, sorry to cut you off on that one, Lance, if I did, I, I guess my follow-up to that would be, at what point does the Heisman start to lose its luster? I mean, there's been issues with Heisman voting in years past where it's been, you know, situation, best quarter, the quarterback on the best team tends to win it. You've had a few exceptions, you know, Devonta Smith couple years ago and Derrick Henry won it when he was basically the best you you couldn't not give it to him kind of situation during his Heisman run but I, I even think back a couple of years where it's been because of one particular game I mean let's let's not kid ourselves Johnny Manziel won the Heisman because he beat Alabama M- Mike, yeah. Mike Evans did everything else for that last year right. Bryce Young won the Heisman because they hadn't lost and C.J. Stroud was had a bad game against Aiden Hutchinson. I mean, it, it's not really, it, it's not really reflecting how the Heisman Trophy should be. 
So no, I, it's, I, I guess it, my question would be, at what point is it no longer about the Heisman Trophy and more about like the Doak Walker or the but or like the Buckus Award, whatever the top defensive right. player? Yeah, and I, I think those awards do do a better job of getting it to the individual player. Because like you even said that C.J. Stroud had a bad game against Aiden Hutchinson. He did not. He did not have a bad game. He threw for almost 400 yards. He had a great game against Michigan. And that is what eliminated him from Heisman contention. He was the Heisman Trophy front runner, then threw for 400 yards and no interceptions and didn't win the Heisman. Like, that doesn't make sense if this is an individual award. So I, I think the reality is that it is switching to the best player on the best team. Like, that's that's kind of what's happening. That's obviously what it's not going to be. This That's not what it's going to be this year because, like, I mean, there's not a chance that Stetson Bennett actually wins the Heisman. Like, to be clear, like, that's he's going to finish fourth. It, 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 he's just invited. but. Um, that is what they tend to do is give it to the best best quarterback on the best team. But um, I I don't think it's right. It's also a very stats-driven award. So, like, your record matters, and then the stats matter. And so that, like, eliminates any defensive player from getting the award, essentially. Um, so I, I don't know. It, it, is, it is not the award that it um, suggests it, it to be. And it's very clear the way that Heisman voters vote. And I, I think it's even coming like more mainstream that people just don't respect the Heisman so much anymore. Um, it just does not have the allure that it used to. Uh, you know, it's it's just, it's it's not, it's not the same. Right? And I think that um, the way that it's becoming is is not necessarily good for the award or for people's perception of it. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common, talk with Kevin Harris, writer for Meet at Midfield, awful announcing, and the comeback switching gears, looking at the coaching carousel that continues to move along since we last talked. Deion Sanders officially going to be heading to Colorado. He will bring current Kent State head coach, former offensive coordinator at Bowling Green, Sean Lewis, over as his new offensive coordinator. Ohio State's Kevin Wilson will be going to Tulsa, of course, was Previously, the head coach at Indiana, Scott Satterfield, will go from Louisville to Cincinnati. What do you think of some of these uh, latest coaching moves? Yeah, for from the Ohio State perspective, losing Kevin Wilson, I, that's that's nothing. Like, I, I I don't know. I don't want to disrespect Kevin Wilson on the air, but like, if you look at who runs the offense, it's not Kevin Wilson. Ryan Day calls the plays. Ryan Day runs the offense. Kevin Wilson is just like an appendage, like. He is a glorified tight ends coach at this point, making what, like $1.5 million a year. So like, that's not a huge loss for Ohio State. I, I think that a lot of people might see, oh, Ohio State offensive coordinator is leaving. Like, no, it's, that's not the offensive coordinator. The offensive coordinator is not leaving. Um, and to the same, like, I don't, I, I would love to see Ohio State actually hire an offensive coordinator who could call plays and run the offense while Ryan Day just like is the head coach. But um, that's not going to happen. We know how they work. Uh, I, I really expect either either or a combination of both Justin Fry and Brian Hartline to get promoted to that OC role. Um, they're still not going to call plays. Ryan Day's not going to give that up yet. Uh, maybe he'll groom those guys into calling plays in the future, but uh, I, I think they're going to get promoted. Um, and then a guy like, I think Keenan Bailey, he's an assistant. He's, you know, routinely, he's really highly spoken of um, routinely on like the, the two, four, seven sports, 30 under 30 page, like, I'm amazed that he hasn't gotten a, a position coach or a head coach or, or a uh, coordinator job somewhere else um, at this point. But 
I, I expect him to get the, the 11th assistant job. I, I, I think he'll get promoted finally. Um, but outside of that, I mean, Dion going to Colorado is going to be hilarious. It's either going to, that's one of those things where it's either going to absolutely blow up in their face or it's going to be awesome for Colorado. And I probably equal chance of both. Um, but you have to try, like applaud them for trying. Because like the other the other option for that program is to get like, I don't know, some mediocre or unproven, you know, coordinator somewhere and just roll the dice again. So at least they're doing something. I applaud that. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, Satterfield, that was, a, I mean, I did not expect that at all. Um, that was pretty sudden. And I think the way that that all went down, I think like, coordinators and assistant coaches like found out on social media that he was leaving. So that was weird. Um, I don't know. It's just, there's never really a dull moment in the coaching carousel, but I think we're, it's one of those things where it feels like you're kind of only getting started on that front too. So we will, we will see what happens. And with the coaching carousel comes the fun new thing known as the transfer portal. And um, needless to say, it kind of feels like a free agency period this year with some of the big names that are out there. I mean, there's some big, big names that are hitting that transfer portal. So I, I go ahead and ask you, do, do you think some of these guys are going to make their way to Colorado to be with coach prime and just his name recognition alone may actually bump Colorado back up to being one of those top teams in the pac 12, like they used to many, many moons ago. I mean, it's been a while, but do you think that's something where they might be able to pull in someone like a Devin Leary or some of these top ranked skilled players that are out there on the open market? They might. Um, it's real. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm fascinated to see. I think the issue is going to be that he's still going to have to recruit against other people that can recruit. Like he's going to have to recruit against Lincoln Riley He's going to have to recruit against like a Nick Saban or a Ryan Day, like for all of those California guys and stuff like that. So he's going to get some players for sure. I just am not 100% convinced that he is going to get enough of them to like compete regularly, I guess. Like, I don't know. I, I think it's different when you're competing against equal level of competition too. Like all he needed was a few guys to transfer out there and like for like a gimmick at Jackson State. Like I, I'm not convinced that that wasn't more of a gimmick at Jackson state than um, it's going to be at Colorado. Like the Colorado, like he's got to win games against equal talent week in and week out. And I'm not convinced that that's going to happen yet. He might, it might happen. It might go great. He might land a bunch of players and stuff like that, but like, yeah, he did great at Jackson state, but like, look at who he's playing and look at who some of the players he got to go. There was like a high three-star or a low four-star at Jackson state is like, that might as well be a top 10 player elsewhere. And I obviously got Hunter Jackson too, like the, the uh, number one player in the country, like guys like that can change a program at, um, at a school like that, but, you know, get a couple five stars at Colorado. Like that's cool, but you still have to play Oregon. You still have to play USC. You still have to play UCLA and past that. Even if you get to the college football playoff with that, like you still have to play the Alabamas, the Ohio States, the Clemson's like the Georgia's. So I, I think that's the issue is like, even if he starts landing good players, like that's cool. Everybody else has good players too. And they have more coaching experience and more coordinating experience than you. So um, that's what I'm curious to see. I don't really doubt that he's going to get some talent, but 
I think the talent is going to be a lot more equal here than it was at Jackson State. And so we will we will see how that how that works. I I don't know that he's not going to be a great coach. Um, I, I, I again I applaud Colorado for trying, but um, the reality is that he hasn't really proven anything on a on a real level that he can do it. So um, this is his chance, and it's really fun that they're rolling the dice on it. But at the end of the day, like it is still a dice roll. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Kevin Harris here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Freaking chicken chunks, freaking chicken chunks, freaking chicken chunks, freaking chicken chunks. When there's no time to make food for your holiday party, carry out four pounds of freaking chicken chunks for only $34.99. Give the gift that always fits a $25 Frickers gift card and get five freaking bonus bucks free. Let them get what they really want. It's 10 p.m. and oh shoot, you didn't make that appointment for your aching knee. Guess what? Northwest Ohio Orthopedics is making it easier for patients to schedule their appointments. Online scheduling is now available. Hop online and schedule right away with whatever day and time works best for you and your family. The new online scheduling benefit is available at all six NWO locations. Finlay, Tiffin, Fremont, Fastoria, Bluffton, and Bowling Green. NWO is always working to make things easier for their patients. Go online, schedule, and bam, done. Need new tires or tire service? Then Wilson Tire Company has you covered. Offering 15 brands of tires and providing 24-hour roadside assistance, Wilson Tire Company can get the job done. In business for over half a century, Wilson Tire Company has three convenient locations. Tiffin, Upper Sandusky, and Kenton. Wilson Tire Company offers mobile services, especially for commercial and farm applications. Check them out on the web for contact information or simply set an appointment from the comfort of your couch. Wilson Tire Company, a trusted partner for all your tire needs. Grit. The word is defined as having courage or strength of character. My name is Mitch Gardner, and I'm the owner of Grit. We are a personalized health and fitness organization that will help you find the strength and courage to become the best version of you. Let my staff at Grit encourage you to get healthy in the right way. It's time to take charge of your health for yourself, your family, and your future. Grit is located behind Ace Hardware and Body Works 24-Hour Fitness of Tiffin. Or reach out via email at grit, G-R-I-T-T, dot training at gmail.com. Back we are with Kevin Harris, writer for Meet at Midfield, awful announcing and the comeback on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Classic, it's 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB. Now let's take a look ahead to Ohio State's next game, which will, of course, be against top-ranked Georgia. And for a good majority of this season, it looked like this would be a possible title matchup, but it will instead be a semifinals matchup. What are some of the big things you're looking ahead to uh, in this matchup? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, a, a lot of people, it's crazy to me how quickly the narrative switched to Ohio State is a bad team and Georgia's going to run right through this team when for 11 of the 12 weeks, everybody's looking at this potential Ohio State-Georgia national title matchup. And like, I, I talked about it a lot last week. I don't know how the Michigan game necessarily convinces you that Ohio State's a bad team. Because if you if you go back and look at that game, Michigan won that game with five plays. Michigan had 66% of their offensive production came on five plays. Outside of that, I think they averaged like 3.3 yards per play. This was not the same thing as last year. Like last year, I think Ohio State was not, was not a, a championship caliber team. 
Last year, Michigan got what it wanted on a play-by-play basis, dominated the line of scrimmage, and every given play was beating Ohio State at the line of scrimmage, was getting their yards, was you know, having a, a lot of success on both sides of the ball. And that just was not the case this year. This year, it was five broken plays that Ohio State allowed, and that was the difference in the game. If one or two of those go completely different, if Cam Brown makes a tackle on third down and Michigan punts, if you know, J.J. McCarthy misses an open receiver in the middle of the field or something like that, that game goes completely different. And so I think from that perspective, I don't think people are giving this Ohio State team enough credit because they didn't magically get less talented. They didn't magically not have, um, you know, players to compete with this Georgia team because of those, you know, those broken plays or the bad game plan and stuff like that. So I think Ohio State, kind of like 2014, Obviously, they're backing in instead of coming in off a 59 to 0 win. But, like, kind of like 2014, they're seen as not deserving, not, um, you know, deserving of this spot. And I think this is still a very talented team. I think this is maybe the most talented team that Georgia's played all season. And so um, I, I just I don't really buy the narrative that Georgia's automatically going to show up and run through it. And the fact that everybody seems to have that narrative seems to help Ohio State a little bit here, too. Um, you know, I, I think Georgia's probably the best team in the country. Um, you know, they, they've earned that and they showed out in all of the games that matter. You know, they blasted Tennessee, they blasted LSU, they blasted Oregon, but, um, I, I, they have a very good defensive line. Uh, Brock Bowers is by far the best tight end in the country. Um, you know, they've got playmakers, but like, it's, it doesn't seem like an unbeatable team. And you've seen that and how they've struggled, you know, kind of week in, week out with teams like Kentucky, teams like Missouri. So, like, if a team that has equal talent, and I think Ohio State has equal talent to, to Georgia, shows up and executes and makes plays and stuff like that, like, sits in your base defense, like, I think this will be a good football game. And I think people are way too quick to discredit Ohio State after a loss that was not was not the same as last year's loss. It just was not, you know, like, I, I don't know. It's it's just looking at the narrative that's happened since Ohio State lost to Michigan, like, it's it's kind of baffling to me. Like, it, it shows me that a lot of people did not watch or pay attention to what really happened in that game because it was not a play-by-play domination by Michigan. I'd argue that it was completely the opposite, you know. Um, on a play-by-play basis, Ohio State's defense was – you know, really successful against Michigan uh, outside of those five plays. Uh, So I guess my question would be that it's a little bit of a two-parter. So bear with me on this one, Kevin. Um, With your mindset of it being of should be a very competitive game. And I'll be honest, I I do have the same mindset. I I was kind of floored at how, from my perspective, bad, not so much bad the loss was, how bad that fourth quarter was for Ohio state. It just kind of felt like a meltdown kind of situation, even with it being mostly just broken plays. And I I know I was among the many vocal people that said Ryan day should at least be on a hot seat at this stage because of it still getting into the college football playoff and now having it be against Georgia, the number one team and the presumptive favorite, going into it because it's an SEC team that's number one and everyone just completely loses their mind over that. Um, do you feel that kind of de-escalates the 
Ryan Day should be on the hot seat conversation? And if so, how much does it change the narrative if Ohio State comes out and frankly just smacks Georgia in the mouth in that first game? Yeah, so I don't think Ohio State slipping into the playoff should change that narrative. And I'm with you there. Like Ryan Day should feel heat from the way that Ohio State lost that game because you're absolutely right. They did quit in the in the fourth quarter. They did. You can you can see it happen, you know. They're not hitting gaps. They're not like that's why Donovan Edwards broke loose after they've been containing him all game. Um, they weren't hitting gaps. They weren't, you know, it, it did not look like the same team in the fourth quarter as it did in the first quarter. And that's coaching, you know, like that's not like a schematic thing. But when the culture of your team quits against your biggest rival in the fourth quarter, when it is still a one score game or a two score game, like that's that's culture to me. And he should feel heat for that. Um and so that magic that doesn't magically go away because one team lost and you're back in the playoff. Like I, I do agree that he should feel heat. Outside of that, like he still got out coached, you know, like even with Michigan's two huge touchdowns in the first half, um, those two touchdown passes from JJ McCarthy, like Ohio State should have been up two, three scores at the half if, you know, the offense was working the way that it should have, if um you know, the offense was executing or if the play calling was better, if they scored in the red zone, things like that, that also is coaching. And that does reflect directly on Ryan day. If the offense is not, you know, struggling or is not uh, as successful as it should be. So he should still feel heat. I do think he has an immediate chance to kind of get all that heat off his back again, because what's going to happen is he's got a chance to play the best team in the country right now. If they come out and blow out Georgia, then he gets to the college football, then he gets to a title game, potentially against Michigan. And obviously that's a rematch. So it's kind of amplified for Ryan Day right now. I do think he's still feeling heat and I do think he should feel heat. If he comes out there and lays an egg against Georgia or loses to Michigan for the second time in a year, like both of those things are going to amplify the, the fan base's feelings about him. But he does have a chance to come out. He really got a mulligan here. He has a chance to come out with probably the most talented team he's had at least since 2019 and uh, you know, have a very strong performance and get a lot of people on his back off his back. You know, I think if Ohio state beats Georgia and beats Michigan for a national title, like suddenly you have no haters anymore, you know? So um, he's got a chance to come and prove it. And that's, you know, it's, it's, it's a great thing for him. It's gotta be scary because like <laughs> you, you now have a chance to do that, but I don't know. I, I do think that he should be feeling heat but I do think that he has a golden opportunity in front of him to immediately get a bunch of people off his back. Talk with Kevin Harris, writer from Meet at Midfield, awful announcing and the comeback here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios. And continuing our look at Georgia, and it's no secret they've been a really good team all year, but last year I think you can definitely make the argument they were kind of heads and shoulders above everyone all season, and it was kind of an aberration that they lost to Alabama the first time around when they played. I don't think this team is quite as good as last year. Just where do you rank this Georgia team kind of against with what they've been in some of these years past? Yeah, I don't think this is a transcendent, you know, team. I think that we, we've talked about this before. Sometimes you just like roll the dice with what teams are great when. And it's really an interesting conversation to talk about like the great teams overall in college football, like, and I, I, I a lot of times, I'm, I'm sure I've done it on air here, I'll go back to that 2019 season when I think three of some of the best teams that I've ever seen in college football existed at the same time 
with those LSU Tigers, the Clemson uh, Tigers, well, two Tigers, and the Buckeyes in, in 2019 in that playoff. Obviously, Clemson and Ohio State played each other, and then LSU won the national title over Clemson. Um, but I, I think those three teams, pretty much any other year, if you put any any of those teams in any other year, they're the decided favorite to win the national title. I, I truly think that. I think that 2019 Ohio State team might be one of the most talented Ohio State teams that I've ever seen, and it didn't even make it out of the semifinals. So sometimes it's just like that, and I think that's it's kind of that way with with Georgia this year. Like, and 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 like flipped though. Like this is not a, a an, an incredible Georgia team. It's it's good enough to be number one overall, but like if you had you know some previous national title contenders that were playing in this season. I wouldn't give Georgia a chance against those teams. So um, I, I think part of that is like part of what I'm saying here is why I think that Ohio State does have a chance in this game. Like this is not a transcendent death machine Georgia team. Like they've proven to be very, you know, mortal many times. Uh, almost lost to Missouri. Honestly, should have lost to Missouri. Um, you know, you play close games against teams like Kentucky. And but but to their credit, like they have when they um, – when they play the big games, they end up with dominant performances like they did over, over Oregon, um, like they did over Tennessee, like they did over LSU. But like you just have those games in there that you can't ignore, like sleepwalking against Florida or, um, you know, that Missouri game or sleepwalking against Kent State. I think they were trailing in that game at some point. Like there are enough games that like they did not look like a powerhouse that I'm just not ready to say that this is like an elite elite football team that Ohio state has no chance against, or nobody has any chance against, you know um, it's not, it, this is not a team that's going to go down as one of the great teams in college football. And maybe that's controversial to say, but like, I just don't, I don't think it's as good as last year's team. And speaking to that a little bit more, I kind of feel like it, it makes sense that this year was the year that you finally saw some finalizations of making it a 12 team playoff. Cause I, I'll just be candid go, going through this entire season, talking with friends, talking with my, uh, my one cousin who is a huge college football buff way more than I am. And we're just checking the scores every Saturday night. And it's like, God, everybody just seems just mortal this season. It, it really kind of felt that way throughout the whole year. It, it really did feel like the kind of year where if it was either a, a six team or an eight team, or even that 12 team that finally did get approved, type of playoff that you could see a seven or eight seed make it to the title game kind yep. of situation it, it just I, i'm curious do, do you feel like the fact that this year really showed how human a lot of these teams are did that help the vote to move it towards a 12 team playoff or did it just reaffirm that they needed to do it i, I think it just reaffirmed that it was going to be fine if they did it they were going to do it regardless because it means more money but um I think that it just, it affirms in the minds of the viewers that, you know, this is um, something that's going to be good for the sport. I mean, you look at, uh, I think Ross Dellinger put together a, um, what the 12 team playoff would have looked like this year. And I'll read you the first round matchups, which would have been on campus sites, mind you. Um, eight seed Tennessee versus nine seed Kansas State, five seed TCU against 12 seed Tulane. Tulane would have got in. Um, seven seed Alabama against number 10 seed USC. And then we actually got a rematch. Ohio State number uh, is the sixth seed over 11 seed Penn State. And all of these are on campus sites. It would have been awesome. Like Alabama, USC, Ohio State, Penn State with a uh, playoff on the line, 
Tennessee, Kansas State, T- Tulane getting a chance against TCU. Like, that's awesome. And I, I think that what people are missing is a lot of people are saying, oh, we can't even find four deserving teams. It's like, yeah, but like, you can say the same thing about the, the March Madness tournament, but that doesn't mean that I don't love watching the opening weekend of March Madness. Even if it ends up with Duke or Kentucky winning the whole thing every year, uh, or Villanova or Gonzaga, you know, like these name brand teams winning it every year, it doesn't matter because I'm going to enjoy the the games leading up to it between teams that are not competing for a title. Like, do I think that Tennessee or Kansas State would win the title this year? Absolutely not. Am I going to watch that game though? For sure. Do I think that Alabama and USC are going to win the title? Not a chance that like they're going to lose the next round when they play Michigan. But do I think that they, would I watch that, that game? A hundred percent. So I think that's what we're missing here is like, even if these teams aren't competing for titles and they could like, to be clear, like, as you mentioned, they could this year, they, a lot of those teams were competitive with a lot of these elite teams this year. Um, But like, I, I think that we're missing the fact that there are just going to be more fun and competitive college football games, which is like, I'm absolutely here for that. I, I want, the reality is Ohio state plays like two to three games a year that are competitive, that they have a chance to lose and it gets boring, you know, like I don't want to play more games against Rutgers or Maryland or, um, you know, teams like that. Like I, I want more games that matter in college football generally, and the playoff is going to do that. And I think expanding the, the conferences like conference expansion and the SEC expanding and the Big Ten expanding is going to do that too. It's just going to lead to more competitive college football games between good teams. And I'm all here for that. Talk with Kevin Harris, Ryder from Mina Midfield, awful announcing and the comeback here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios. Looking at the other side of the college football playoff, uh, we've mentioned both teams a bunch, but Michigan, of course, taking on TCU. And I think that should be a really fun matchup with, uh, two teams that have been, you know, kind of discounted throughout the whole season because of how Georgia and Ohio State and some of these other teams have taken a lot of that spotlight. What are your thoughts on uh, what we see in that other playoff game? Yeah, that's really intriguing too. Um, I I think Michigan should be the favorite for a reason. Um, They've controlled the games with defense. They, I mean, obviously they came out and beat Ohio State. Like they – have shown that they can control a passing attack. They can shut things down. Um, They've earned that. But like at the same time, I wouldn't be shocked if TCU comes out and just lights them up. Like they have other teams this year with their passing attack. Um, So I don't know. It's, it's very intriguing and it's really hard to get a read on because both teams are so completely different. And that's really what the playoff is. You know, it's just um, finding the, the best teams who really earned their right to be in here. And I think both teams have, and, um, putting them against each other. So I, I don't, I don't think this is, should be a blowout by any means. Um, but I think Michigan is the better team, but that doesn't mean, I mean, TCU's beaten a bunch of teams this year that I think are better than them technically. Um, so it'll be fun. It'll be fun. And I, I think that that is a, I think the playoff committee got it correct. Um, that TCU does deserve to be in there. Maybe Alabama would have liked to be in there or whatever, but um, I don't know. I, I think it's going to set up a, a fun semifinal and uh, or set of semifinals and then a, a fun final too. Like it's going to be a fun college football playoff, no matter what. Oh, well, I'm, I'm sure head coach for Alabama, Karen Saban was very much adamant that Alabama should be in just because they're Alabama. 
and they should be in it. That's yeah. really their whole argument. But I, I, I'm fascinated to hear your take on because I gotta tell you, uh, we we watch Ohio State week in and week out. We all we all love Ohio State here. I've had such a blast watching TCU this season. That they they are just this scrappy. It, I don't know art, but I know what I like. It may not be pretty, but they're winning games kind of team. Uh, how does that factor into postseason play? Because, yeah, they, they didn't pull it off against Kansas State, but certainly made a run against Kansas State yeah. to pull that off or to try and pull it off. And obviously they had the big comeback win in the week prior. So it's I, I guess I'm curious your take it for this TCU team. It's is it just pure gutsiness or is this the real deal and they can really give Michigan a run for their money? And, you know, the thing is that, um, that the, I don't know, it's, it's, this is what a weird team where if you really look at the, the way that they played at the beginning of the year, it was not the, um, it was not the dominant team that we see now. It's almost like it was a team that didn't know what it was. And I, I did not think it was a, a terribly good team at the beginning of the year. Like it's playing close games against SNU. Um, and it didn't really get on the map until uh, I, I think they played like a stretch where they played like Oklahoma, then Kansas and Oklahoma state, which even in hindsight, like a lot of those teams aren't like, didn't turn out to be great teams, but they won those three games and people, you know, started taking them seriously as, as a real team essentially. And I think that they're one of those teams that like they really put it together towards the end of the year and they realized what their team was like. um, I don't know. You even see like they, they didn't know that they even had a receiver like Quentin Johnson earlier in the year. Like, and he kind of emerged and is now one of the top receivers in the entire country. Um, Max Dugan was not just like unleashing the way that he was towards the end of the season. It's just, it's a team that really found itself and found its identity in the midst of winning these close games. Like at the beginning of the season, I would not have said that this was a good team, a a deserving of a playoff spot. I would have just thought it was inevitable that they were going to lose all these games or whatever, but like they haven't, and they've really found an identity and turned into a legitimate playoff contender or a legitimate, legitimate playoff team. Like they earned their way here. And uh, I, I think that just goes to show how they've, how they've been successful this year. And plenty of uh, looking ahead, plenty of bowl games around the country. They all start up here on uh, Friday, December 16th. And some of the matchups that I think could be fun, of course, I'm going to throw the caveat at this moment because without with how many people are entering the transfer portal, who knows exactly uh, what these teams will look like in these over these next few weeks. But North Carolina against Oregon, Texas against Washington. We, of course, know both of those quarterbacks very well. Notre Dame against South Carolina. Notre Dame's offense could look completely different. They're already going to be without Drew Pine, and who knows what kind of opt-outs they're going to have. Tennessee versus Clemson, not as uh, high-key of a matchup but without Hendon Hooker, but still could be a very good game. Bama against Kansas State, Utah against Penn State, and Mississippi State against Illinois. If nothing else, the matchup of Mike Leach against Brett Bielema, I'm sure, is something Kevin is looking forward to. But oh, what, yeah. what are some of these? Uh, what are some of these uh, non-playoff uh, bowl games you are looking forward to over these uh, next few weeks? Yeah, I mean, there's like you said, it's really hard to tell what these matchups are even going to look like until you get closer to the game. 
Um, Kansas State, Alabama should be fun. That Rose Bowl matchup between Penn State and Utah, I think is going to be a blast, especially if both teams come out and are ready to play. Um, I think even Purdue LSU could turn out to be fun. Like there's a bunch that could turn out to be like super fun. My proposal for this is if you're going to open the transfer portal at the beginning of December, let these kids transfer to their new program and play in the bowl game. Like, I, I, I think that we're in a, we're in a, uh, a situation where we're increasingly don't care about bowl games because you don't know what players are going to be in them. There are these teams are a shell of what they once were at least make it a preview of next season and allow these kids to transfer to their new team, have some bowl practices, the same as spring practice and play in these bowl games. Like it's a spring game, you know, like there's just no reason why Cade McNamara can't join Iowa right now, have three weeks of bowl practices and then go play in a game against Kentucky. Like there's just no reason. And like, is it going to be a perfect simulation? Is he going to be a hundred percent ready or anything like that? No, but like, it's going to be better than our, whoever they trot out at quarterback as it is. So I think that's my modest proposal is that you just like, it, it's not going to hurt anybody. Let a kid transfer, let them stay, let them have three weeks of bowl practices and uh, play in this game against, you know, whatever the team is. And, and if you don't want them to play, that's fine. Like it's, it's up to the team, but like, I don't know. I, I just, if you're going to allow players to transfer and to opt out and you're going to open the transfer portal before bowl games even start, just let them go play for their new team. Like if this is to reward the players, if that's the whole point of bowl games is to reward the players and reward teams for a good season or whatever, like let them go. It, it, I don't know. It That's, that's my take. Um, maybe it doesn't work logistically, but I, I sure would love to see, and it would add a lot of intrigue to these games. I would sure love to see, a team rolling with the quarterback that they're going to be playing next year than I would their third string quarterback that uh, isn't going to play besides like a spring game or something like that. So I don't know. That's, that's just my thought that I've had as I'm seeing all of these opt-outs and all of these people entering the portal and naming their new des destinations and stuff like that is like, how much cooler would it be if I could watch um, them at their new team come bowl season? So my thoughts on the bowl games, I, I would love your take on this too. A, a, another two-parter just for fun. First part is just for laughs. Uh, the Bahamas Bowl, Miami, Ohio versus UAB. Uh, Kevin, I'm assuming you got you and I the press credentials for that game already. And it's just mine. Oh, was, for sure. Mine was just lost in the mail, right? That That's, yeah, that's for sure. There. Okay. Just <laughs> wanted to make sure on that one. But um, uh, go kind of piggybacking a little bit off of what you said is there do you think there should also be some incentive for coaches as well because i'm looking at something like the celebration bowl jackson state versus nc central i'd bet all the money in my pockets that celebration bowl for abc had jackson state picked i mean they obviously had a good year but it's because it was Deion sanders yeah it is what what they were looking to bring to that game or something like uh, I'm looking through some of these other ones where some of the coaching changes as well, but some of the other games that are going on, you, you have these coaching changes where the new coach isn't necessarily going to be there or they are and they're only a couple weeks in. Do you think these bowl, these, the, these particular bowl games should also have some way to maybe say, okay, you just changed coaches 
uh, respectfully, thanks, but no thanks. That's the reason we kind of want you guys to be here and be able to have some sort of opt-out on their end, too, to maybe try and slow this transfer portal coaching carousel madness down a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 tough all the way around because, like, it, even if you do choose a different team or something like that, like, you're going to run into the problem with whoever you pick, that there's not going to be the players or, or the coach. I, I think the bowl game... I think from especially from the player perspective, I, I suggested this last year. Just give a cash bonus for playing in the game. Like at this point, you can legally do that because it's essentially like an NIL deal. Like you, you the players playing in the game, just sign them all to an NIL contract for playing in the game and give them straight up cash. Like I I don't think that that's unreasonable. I don't think that there's like there's certainly money in the bank to do that for a lot of these teams. Just like give these players a straight up cash bonus to play in this game. I don't know what it would have to be to get a lot of these players to play in it. And obviously that's not going to work for like, you know, guys who are going to be first round picks and stuff like that. But I think it would work for a lot of guys who are thinking of transferring or opting out or something like that, like, or, you know, give it to give like a bigger prize for the MVP of the game or something like that. Like if the, if the decision to opt out is motivated by money, then the only thing that's going to keep them from opting out is money. And it's just a change in in the way that things are. Like if you want somebody, if Cheez-It wants somebody to care about the Cheez-It bowl, pony up and pay the money. Like I, I, I think that it's, it's just, that's the reality of the situation. I don't know what else there is going to be to fix that problem besides giving them some sort of incentive to want to play in this game besides just, the prestige of playing in the cheese it bowl like that's just not doing it anymore um and honestly i, I don't even know how it ever did <laughs> in hindsight like i i don't know I, I i just think that somehow these players need to be motivated to play in games that are decidedly unmotivating to play in so um if, if you want the star players in there work out a or, or work out individual contracts you know like if you want last year if you wanted kenny pickett to play in the game i don't even remember what game they went to but he opted out. If you want him to play in it, say, hey, we will give you X amount of money to play in this game because you are a star player and we know that you're opting out. Like you can do that. You're allowed to do that. So don't complain that players are opting out of the game when you can make your own NIL contract to get them to represent your bowl game. Like this is a fixable problem. You just want them to play for free is, is essentially what it is. So I don't know. I, in the age where players are not playing for free, you're going to have to do something about it if you want the players to play in your game. This has been Kevin Harris, writer for Meet at Midfield, awful announcing, and the comeback. We, of course, follow you on Twitter at Kevinish and now on TikTok at Hi, I am Kevin. Thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us. And unless something crazy happens over the next few weeks, we will catch up sometime in 2023. Sounds good. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Van Buren head boys basketball coach Mark Bunn here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Great news, Fostoria. The new watershed near the corner of 4th and Finley Streets is now open. This watershed offers another convenient location in the southwest corner of town to purchase pure water. You can also use the watershed off of Plaza Drive. Both watersheds are open 24-7 every day of the year. So grab your quarters and your containers and head to the closest watershed near you. For more info, go to nwwsd.org. 
Seneca Millwork is now hiring. They have third shift general labor positions available with a starting pay of $17.51 an hour with a $0.25 cent shift differential for the third shift. Seneca Millwork offers medical, vision, dental, life insurance, and a 401k contribution. Apply online at SenecaMillwork.com or apply online through Indeed. Come work at Seneca Millwork located at 300 Court Place in Faustoria and part of the Ropey Holding Company family. Welcome to Bigby Coffee, your home away from home that picks you up and leaves you in a better mood than when you arrived. No matter who you are, we know we'll have a drink for you and her and him. You see, here at Bigby, we can customize our drinks for each person, dairy or no dairy, coffee or no coffee. We've got you covered, hot, iced or frozen. Bigby Coffee is one of a kind, just like you. With locations on Tiffin Avenue and Trenton Avenue in Finley to serve you. Roto-Rooter is always the first name you think of when you have problems with your sewer system or any other household drains. Tim Munger and Roto-Rooter will thoroughly clean your sewer system, sink, shower drains, and toilets. The Mungers have been serving the Faustoria and Seneca County area for over 65 years. Give Tim Munger a call at 419-435-3360. That's 419-435-3360 for all of your drain cleaning needs. And away go troubles down the drain. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios on ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, and Classic It's 96.7 WBVI, Lance Morse. Matt Cowan hanging out with you here. We'll have coverage of the Van Buren Black Knights Friday night in their Blanchard Valley Conference matchup with the Macomb Panthers. Matt Common and I will have that one for you Friday night on both of our stations. We're now pleased to be joined here by Van Buren head boys basketball coach Mark Bunn here in the Frickers Zoom Room. Coach, how you doing? Not too bad. Thank you. Thank you again for uh, for taking the time to talk with us. Very much appreciated. Thank you. For you, uh, first-year head coach at Van Buren, at least in basketball, because you are already the head coach on the volleyball side, what was, uh, what was that process like for you adding to your duties and now becoming the head basketball coach? Uh, not a lot uh, downtime at all. Um, just getting one, from one season to the next season, that's kind of – where I'm at, uh, I feel like I'm a little bit behind the eight ball getting started since uh, getting hired so late. But uh, these guys have been awesome for me and uh, a lot of excitement and working hard in the practices. And coach, talk a little bit about that <clears throat> behind the eight ball. I, I am curious, first time doing it. How has the transition transition felt between going from <clears throat> volleyball and, you know, uh, a girl sport to going to a boy sport in the winter with basketball? Uh, it's a little different. Uh, my coaching uh, style has uh, changed uh, compared to coaching with girls. Um, even some of my volleyball uh, parents as well as players have come and watched some of the games already and like, he's totally different. I'm like, yeah, it's 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 a different aspect, uh, but it's working out. Um, I've missed it. I've been wanting to get back into basketball for a long time now and uh, just had a great opportunity come at me and um, I ran with it. Talking with Van Buren head boys basketball coach Mark Bunn here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle here from the Frickers studio. So you mentioned wanting to get back into basketball. Of course, Coach Niekamp has been at the helm for Van Buren the last few years. What would you say some of the differences are between what you've done so far and what maybe the team might have uh, already been used to? Um, they're running a little bit of the same sets, but we're just kind of getting a finer detail. Um, I'm trying to get more of an up-tempo offense. Um, and get after it physically, man-to-man defense. Uh, I got assistant Scott Grant from Continental, so he's bringing, and I'm from Putnam County, so trying to instill some of that 
Putnam County in your face defense a little bit and uh, getting these guys to get after it. I do appreciate you calling it the Putnam County getting in your face defense because that, <laughs> that does seem to be just the standard mo of any mm-hmm. team from Putnam County is it's it, that no uh, no Christmas cards will get exchanged between those teams most seasons. Needless <laughs> to say, um, with that in mind, how has that been trying to adapt a more uh, aggressive, more getting after it kind of vibe to Van Buren for the last couple of years been a very technical team, not necessarily a getting after it and getting in the paint, getting nasty kind of team. Yeah. And it's great. You just were the nasty in there because uh, the today's uh, practice title is getting nasty and we're going to get after it. Um, a lot of competition. Um, EJ Frost uh, was under the realm with him for several years. Uh, he always instilled that competition with defensive games, um, I have a volunteer assistant, Adam Grew, which I coached as well, um, doing an excellent job. And, and they're starting to figure out, man, they can really enjoy practice once they get more competitive with each other. Uh, guys are diving all over. Um, it's just been awesome. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Fricker Studios on Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB. Lance Morris, Matt Common talk with Van Buren head boys basketball coach Mark Bunn. Tough weekend for you guys uh, in those matchups with Liberty Benton and Ottawa Glandorf. What are some of the big takeaways you have for uh, those games you had over the weekend? Well, you can you can definitely find your weaknesses when you go against uh Two awesome programs. OG is just uh, an elite uh, program. Um, but uh, we, we figured out, you know, obviously our guards, we're going to do a little bit better job taking care of the ball uh, with the pressure and utilizing our big man. I just had one of my big man go out. We dislocated his elbow. So we're kind of waiting to see how long he'll be out for. Um, but offensively, realizing we have to get in our sets and go. We're kind of a little stagnant and uh, figuring out what we're running. We just got to go and react and getting that basketball IQ back. And, and coach, you talk about, you know, things you can take away from those kind of games, finding weaknesses that by the same token, being able to be in those games a little bit, got to imagine you found some strengths on your team, things that you can really build on going forward as well. Oh yeah. This team's got a lot of grit. Uh, Even though we're down against OG and they're about five inches bigger than every one of our players. um, We didn't back down. They just got after it the whole time. And I couldn't be more proud as a head coach uh, seeing those guys get scrappy after it. Out of the guys you do bring back from last year's team, a lot of those guys were kind of more secondary players with the offense that they ran with uh, Andrew Schrader and Landon Miller in particular as those primary scorers. Who do you expect to emerge or who already has emerged kind of as some of those go-to guys uh, for you on the offensive side? Parker Bauhart, he's a junior. He's a heck of a shooter. Um, just great knowledge of the game, passer, all-around athlete. Um, and Peter Harrington, my senior guard, he's doing a phenomenal job for me, um, just getting scrappy and running the show for me, which I really need. Um, I also have Reese uh, Reichley who's coming in, who's doing a great job. And my big man, you know, I got a couple big men there, um, Jackson uh, Gregory, as well as um, – Baylor Wilkin, who's dislocated his elbow, he's coming up and just being, he's just a massive body. So uh, we've got a lot of youth coming up and I'm excited about. And you you look at uh, some of those players that you just mentioned. I I think one of the things that comes to mind is a bit of a different energy. I mean, Lance just mentioned it, a little bit of secondary players. How, how do you feel about their transition into primary 
player responsibilities, especially for some of those upperclassmen that you have going from those role players and situational players to being able to adopt your system, adopt that nastiness, adopt that grit. And then on top of it, okay, let's go score some points as well. As, as the games, as we've been in three games so far, I'm starting to see them take control and be that assertiveness, uh, especially with Peter as my point guard. He's a great ball handler, a great tax of rack well, and is a phenomenal shooter. He's a lefty, which uh, is, is tough to defend. So I think he's starting to see that, hey, I can really contribute. I just don't run the point guard. I can do a lot more. Uh, and Parker Bauhart's just, he's a pure shooter, quick shot. Um, and, and so he he's seeing that as well. And I keep just building him with confidence. And, and the more I build with them, the more they're just taking off in practice, as you can see it as well. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Frickers Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common, talking with Van Buren head boys basketball coach Mark Bunn. And you mentioned some of your varsity guys. Who are some of the guys that either might get a chance at varsity later this year or maybe most of their time is going to be spent on JV? Who are some of those young guys you've been impressed with so far? Uh, Seth Gregory, uh, he's a great shooter. He's another lefty for me. He's a sophomore. I got Lucas Harrington, just gets after it. It's Peter's brother, so those two battle a lot in uh, practice. And I got a freshman just kind of coming alive, Cole Bishop. Uh, his brother is Jake Bishop over at Finley High School. Um, he just has an amazing basketball IQ and awareness of the game. Um, so those those three can uh, potentially help me out down the road. Now, I am curious as – You've mentioned it a couple times now with some of these players, at least for each one. You you you, you mentioned the left-handed, the the, yeah. the southpaw, more more than once or twice. Uh, let me ask this from a basketball perspective: Does that make it a little more challenging to defend when their dominant hand is most everybody else's offhand? Does that make it a little bit more of an interesting dynamic for you guys? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can you can run everybody. Obviously, right-handers go right side. We can utilize both ways, and we can run. We got a couple different sets that takes advantage of our lefties. Um, and I think hopefully we can use that down the road and be very successful with that. Talking with Van Buren head boys basketball coach Mark Bunn here in the Frickers Zoom room. And looking ahead to Friday night, you guys take on Macomb. They had a one-on-one weekend. They got the win over Riverdale, but then had that loss on Saturday to Ada. What are some of the things you've uh, seen from Macomb and getting ready for Friday? They don't hesitate to shoot the three. They got a couple great ball handlers. I mean, they're a great football school, so they're athletic. Um, they're muscular. They'll push you around. So it's going to be a tough game, um, but we're excited. We're, we're ready to go and uh, see what we can do. And as you're getting into conference play, always curious for yourself. Uh, obviously, first time coaching on the basketball side, but volleyball, got to imagine for yourself, as a coach, there's some rivalries that kind of stand out. I kind of feel Macomb Van Buren is one of those underappreciated rivalries in the BVC. Can you talk a little bit more on that? Yeah, they've, we've always battled, uh, especially when I was a JV coach back in the day. They've always put up a good fight uh, when Coach Roth was there. Um, you just know, you never know what you're going to get from them. Uh, it doesn't matter their record, man. They, they're just scrappy. They get after you. And, and if they get hot from the three-point land, you got to watch out. Um, and it, of course, it's just down the road from us. So um, that's always a battle um, against each other. And one of your uh, one of your volunteer assistants, uh, Kurt Longworth, he spent a good amount of time over at Macomb as uh, one of their coaches. Did, did you look to him for any uh, specific insight on uh, Coach Ladd and company? Yeah, yeah. He's been helping us out quite a bit. Um, we're going to meet with him actually today and talk with him 
Um, and I pulled a, another one, Nathan Zerker. He was over there helping Lad out as well. And uh, he's a teacher here, so he jumped on staff, and he's been amazing for me. Now, and I do need to know about another person on staff, but more on the higher upside because it's Van Buren. I, I, I asked your partner in crime on the girls' side about this, but uh, Dan Hortzel as your athletic director. Um, yeah. Two-part question, any good stories, and is he still as much of a goofball as Lance and I know him <laughs> as affectionately? Uh, I, I don't know if I have good stories. I just know uh, he's got his dad jokes. Uh, he's he's awesome. Um, anytime I have anything or need anything, he doesn't he hesitate to to help me out or or put in his input. And you know you can't get him out of that basketball court. He 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 loves it. And uh, anytime I get to talk X and O's with him, man, it, it's just awesome because I I'm absorbing it from him. You know he knows a lot. And looking ahead to Friday, some more for that matchup with Macomb. What are some of your keys to the game? What are some of the things you are and have been uh, talking about so far in practice? Taking care of the ball. Uh, that's one thing. Um, we played against some tough teams. You know, it's forcing us in bad situations. But if we can take care of the ball and be patient on the offensive end, a lot of times we're trying to do one pass and make everything happen. Uh, if we get a couple ball reversals, uh, hopefully that will benefit us on our offensive sets and coach obviously for Van Buren sports just in general it's kind of been a lot of transition across the board uh, what would be your message to the fan base in the early stage of this season as you know it, it seems like the Van Buren faithful still show up in droves night in and night out for you guys so do you have any message for them in the early stages of this year so far yeah just be patient trust uh the system and everything we're running um, I've had a lot of alumni reach out and they're excited um, I have some alumni on staff, so um, we'll get them there. It's slowly but surely, but uh, be patient. And as as I turned around the volleyball programs here uh, twice, uh, I think they have uh, all trust in me, and hopefully I can do the exact same thing for basketball. This has been Van Buren Head Boys basketball coach Mark Bunn. Coach, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us. Good luck on Friday against Macomb and throughout the rest of the season. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Van Buren head girls basketball coach Jaden Tabler here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. Think you can't qualify for a car loan because of your past credit, bankruptcy, divorce, even repossessions and charge-offs? Well, think again and turn the corner to Warner. Warner Buick GMC can help you find the money you need for a car. Call 419-429-6157. That's 419-429-6157. Or apply online at warnerbuickgmc.com. Let Warner help you get a car today. For price, selection, and service, Warner won't be beat. For over 100 years, iron workers have been building America. Do you have what it takes to be an iron worker? Do you like to work with your hands? Do you like to be creative and solve problems? Do you like to be outdoors and don't mind getting dirty? With starting pay of $18 an hour and with medical and retirement benefits, there are iron worker jobs available in Northwest Ohio. To take your career to new heights, call the Iron Workers Local 55 Training Center at 419-382-3080 and build a better future. Come on now, you know you've heard of those famous breadsticks. The ones oozing with cheese and a variety of other toppings you can choose from? That's right, the ones from Campus Poly Ice, the world famous ones. Don't forget Campus Poly Ice for tasty subs, pizza, your favorite beer, and even salads. One of Finley's best kept secrets. Don't forget to try the house-made ranch dressing. Getting your favorite goodie from Campus Poly Ice is easy. Located at 339 South Blanchard Street, Campus Poly Ice offers dine-in, carry-out, or delivery. What you waiting on? 
getting the kids to practice on time, remembering if it's your day to bring snacks, making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto Owners works with independent agents who answer when you call, so you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Ask Financial Design Insurance Agency in New Regal if Auto Owners makes sense for you. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle here from the Fricker Studios on ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you until 730. The Van Buren girls basketball team gets a big win over the weekend against Arcadia by a score of 51 to 24. We are now pleased to be joined here by Van Buren head girls basketball coach Jaden Tabler here in the Frickers Zoom room. Coach, how you doing? Fantastic. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you again for for taking for taking the time to talk with us. And you've you've been an assistant with the team, you know, for for a few years now. What has it been uh stepping over a couple seats into the head coaching position? What was that uh process like for you to become the new head coach? Yeah, it was uh it was a little crazy. Um a little last minute, but uh you know, it's definitely a big jump going from being assistant and help out here and there to you know, hey, this is your program and, you know, you're in charge. So there's, you know, a lot of other things that I got to take care of now, but it's going great. And coach, first of all, congratulations on the promotion to head coach. I I do have to ask knowing a uh, certain athletic director for the Van Buren school (laughs) program, uh, Mr. Dan Hartzell, uh, two part question. Is he still the prankster that we all know and love? And uh, what was your takeaway from him as the AD? Uh, I believe first, this is now in his second full year as AD for the program at this point. Uh, well, to answer your first question, I don't know much about him being a prankster. Uh, he's got he's got some good jokes, that's for sure. But uh, he he's no, he's no lulling you into a false sense of security, Coach. That's all I'm gonna no, say. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> But uh, no, he's been he's been a huge help for me, especially, uh, you know, being my in my first year and he's in his first year as well. So we both kind of came in new, but, um, you know, he's he's got coaching experience as well. So it's been awesome to lean on him for for uh, some support. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Fricker Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common talking with Van Buren head girls basketball coach Jaden Tabler. And you mentioned some of those differences uh, in stepping over to the head coaching position. What have been some of the biggest differences you've dealt with so far, whether it's, you know, talking with parents or actual dealing with the players? What have been some of those big differences? Sure. Um, I would say, you know, number one is, you know, we're trying to build a program, you know, from top to bottom. So that involves a lot of the youth, and uh, I think that we've done a pretty good job as a staff and actually with the boys' staff as well uh, to get our youth programs running so we can, you know, create a almost like a feeder program to our high school and middle school teams. So that's that's been a number one priority for us off the jump. But, you know, just, just some minor changes in, you know, the system, you know, for X's and O's, it's nothing crazy. Uh, you know, I was an assistant coach before, so I had a pretty good idea of where we were at as a, as a program. So jumping in wasn't, you know, learning. Yeah. I, it's not like I didn't know the girls at all. So that was, that was, that was good. I was able to jump in, knew what we needed at that time. So it's just been 
some small changes around that. But other than that, it's been smooth sailing. And coach, you look at that uh, transition, as you mentioned, working with the team, working with the girls. Uh, what can you tell us about working with the community as a whole? It really seems Van Buren, uh, maybe even more so than some of the other area programs out there, really gets this full community vibe year yeah. in and year out with their programs. How much has that been an influence in helping you start to build this program up in the way you see it should be built? Yeah. I mean, our community is awesome. I I was a graduate of Van Buren, so I've been through it on both sides now. And um, it's, you know, it's great to have their support. And we're, we're trying to get, you know, the community involved this year for, for both the boys and the girls program. You know, we want it to be, you know, one big team and one big family atmosphere. And that was, you know, something we emphasize as, uh, as an athletic department, you know, before the season started is, hey, let's get get the community involved and you know it's already a tight-knit group so that was that was definitely nice to have their support but also a big emphasis as well and here's where you get the chance to make matt and even myself now feel old you mentioned your class of van buren what year did you graduate (laughs) i graduated in 2018 you have to (laughs) you just have to stop right now i know no not that long ago actually (laughs) No, I've probably covered some of your games. Oh my god, I'm yep, I'm sure. Oh wow, it's crazy. Well, I mean, I, th- I guess my next question is, since I'm an old man, can you help me get my Wi-Fi to work and my phone's <laughs> acting weird? <laughs> so. Yeah, that's right. I can probably help you there. <laughs> uh, but I-, I will actually ask, how much does that? Do you feel that actually impacts in a positive, and maybe in some cases in a negative? that there is such a close age discrepancy between you and frankly, some of your seniors that you have on the team or some of you, some of your upper class on the program. Do you feel that really helps overall? Cause you can relate to them a lot better than maybe an old curmudgeon like me can. (laughs) Right. Yeah. No, this is, I get this question a lot and, you know, I think there's definitely, you know, pros and cons to, to being closer to their age, but I think, you know, there's more positives than there are negatives just from the standpoint of, like you said, I can, I can relate to them a little better. Uh, I, I probably know what they're, they're thinking versus somebody, you know, who's 50 or 60, maybe a little out of touch with their generation. But um, I think, I think it's a huge help and, you know, understanding and building that relationship between, you know, myself and the girls of like, Hey, we're, we all, we're all on the same page here. You know, we just want to, we want to win basketball games and you know, that's a, that's a common goal we have. So we meet in the middle and we make the most of it. Matt, this is a landmark day. Cause this is the first time I think we've talked to a coach that's actually younger than me. I know. How's that make you feel? It's uh, it, it's, it's not, it's not a good feeling. It's not a bad feeling, but it's certainly not a good feeling. <laughs> well, welcome to Sorry the show. Man. <laughs> so I got, I feel this way about 90% of the time when we interview people. So, uh, But this, oh my this, this is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common, talking with Van Buren head girls basketball coach Jaden Tabler. And, uh, of course, with you being with the program the last few years, you knew exactly the challenges you were going to have coming into this season, replacing some of those key seniors like Allie Bishop and Sophia Reineke from last year's team. How do you kind of even go into this season 
looking to replace what they gave you because they were both players that had started either as freshmen or certainly as sophomores for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely big shoes to fill. Uh, and, you know, we knew that. The team knew that. The girls knew it. Um, and, you know, we played we played a tough schedule the first few games. So it was, it was kind of that moment for them of, you know, who wants to step up? Who wants to take on that role that they took on last year? And those games were perfect. That adversity that we that we faced kind of set us up to, you know, have some success down the road here. Um, and, you know, Sasha Busey stepped up big time for us. Uh, Zoe Fruits have been great. Uh, we just got Anna Durley at healthy again. So those are all returners that are, you know, definitely going to be taking some big roles for us. So it's been it's been a rough start to fill those roles, but I think we're starting to settle in a little bit now. And looking at this, at least start to the season so far here, Coach, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. I'm taking this off of Max Preps two and three overall. Does that sound correct? Yep, that's correct. Okay. So I just wanted to make sure I was looking at the right thing. Yeah, it yeah, it, it seems like it's seems like it's been a little bit of feast or famine with you guys yeah. so far this season. Could could you could you talk to that a little bit? Is it mostly just still getting used to the system or getting used to kind of having a new staff in, even if it's not really that new sure. necessarily? Yeah, no, I mean, having a new staff in is, is definitely a big challenge. And, you know, it's something that we haven't gone through, you know, as a staff before, as a, as a team. So that was, that was a little bit of a jump. And, you know, when you put in a new system, it's going to take, it's going to take time. You know, we're running some new, some new sets on offense and running our defense a little, little different this year. So it's been, a lot of learning and you know we got we got a lot of young players we got a lot of underclassmen that are getting some really good minutes and it's you know half learning the new system and half getting them you know ready for varsity basketball so it's been those those have been the two biggest hurdles we've had to get over there this is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Fricker Studios. Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB. Lance Morris, Matt talking with Van Buren head girls basketball coach Jaden Tabler. And you mentioned it with uh, some of the games over the last few weeks. And really over the last week, you, you had both sides of, of the coin with being on the right side of a big win against Arcadia and then a tough one last week as well against Liberty Benton. What can you take away from those uh, two two league matchups from uh, from the last week? Sure. Uh, well, you know, uh, Liberty gave us a great look, and, you know, they, they came ready to play. They were probably the most prepared team, and usually that team's going to win the game. So uh, that – that exposed a lot of our weaknesses, uh, you know, early in the season, maybe we just weren't ready for them yet. And it was, it was good. We kind of reset the clock after that game and we're like, Hey, listen, let's start fresh. Uh, forget what's, what's happened. You know, we faced some, some good teams and a lot of adversity and we came into practice the next day and we got after it and that set us up for a good win versus Arcadia. And I think, you know, we're starting to hit our stride now where, you know, five games in and league play starting to roll in. So I, I feel like we're in a pretty good spot. And with that league play starting to roll in, I, I'm, I'm always curious, it just seems like the BVC is just a gauntlet across the board for basketball, especially. I mean, football, you kind of have some hit and misses, but it seems like basketball, really everyone can hold their own. So ha having played in it recently, apparently, <laughs> and, having, and having coached in it now, 
as well. What are some some of your takeaways for the conference as a whole? Obviously, it's a, tr- a little bit of transition with some teams coming in and some teams moving out. But well, what's your takeaway for the BVC in terms of its competitiveness as a whole? Sure. Yeah, I think, you know, like you said, it, it kind of is a crazy time for the conference just with, you know, new teams coming in, teams dropping out, um, trying to keep up with all of it. But, uh, you know, I, I it's hard to compare, you know, us, uh, the BBC to other conferences, just unless you play them head to head. There's no other way to really gauge it. But, you know, I think every time that we have a league game, if, you know, you don't show up and bring your best, that that team's going to give you a game for sure. Um, I, I know all the other coaches in the BBC really take league games seriously, as they should. And, you know, you're going to take everybody's best shot. And if you're not ready to go, teams are going to sneak up on you. So just got to make sure that, you know, when the league games come around, whether it be one a week or two a week, we got to be ready to go for whatever's on the schedule. And we've mentioned it already a handful of times, but with uh, with your age discrepancy, a lot of these coaches are, you know, have been doing this for a long time and no bigger uh, example of that than uh, Randy Baker this past weekend, who I think is entering his 40th year as yeah. head coach. So we don't need to do the exact math on that. But <laughs> But what exactly, I guess, for him and for some of these other teams, what's the dynamic like for you when you are – uh, you know, talking to these coaches uh, pregame, is it all kind of the same across the board? Or is there not not that anyone's, you know, mean or anything like that? Because I doubt that's the case. But what are those different kind of dynamics like between you and some of the other coaches so far? Sure. Uh, well, you know, you brought up Coach Baker, and I got a ton of respect for him. He's outstanding coach, maybe a better human being. But I uh, loved having the chance to talk with him just about you know, their schedule and their program as a whole and, you know, the future of, you know, Arcadia and the the BBC. And, you know, it was kind of good just to listen to him talk, but I'm not really one to get caught up in the, the whole age thing. You know, we're, we're both coaches and, you know, he had a ton of respect for me as well, which I appreciate. And I'm not, I'm not one to, you know, throw a fit about if somebody's treat me different because my age or, you know, looking down a little bit. I'm not, I'm not about that. So just, you know, treating it like another game and having the respect for every program we play. And then obviously looking ahead here to the remainder of your schedule, obviously you guys have a big one coming up as we're recording this on Monday with a uh, hard Northern is the next game that we have. And then you're starting to get a little bit more into that uh, conference schedule. Yeah. What are some of your thoughts about Harden Northern as a team coming into it one and one as of right now uh, that, that you've seen so far on tape with them? Sure. Uh, you know, I th- they can shoot the ball really well. Uh, I know, you know, late in games, they've kind of taken over where they just they kind of shoot lights out down the stretch. And, you know, our biggest thing is going to make sure we don't we don't give them those open looks. Uh, we got to know what what their bread and butter is, and we got to take away their best options. Um, you know, when, when you force teams to go to plan B, you know, usually things go your way. So hopefully if we can, if we can take away their, their go-to looks, um, we'll just, we'll do our thing. We'll take care of the ball and hopefully come out with a W. 
This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common, talking with Van Buren head girls basketball coach Jaden Tabler. And you, you mentioned it before, but you talked about Sasha Busey and what she's been able to do for you. And what can you say about her continued development heading into the season? Because, you know, in terms of size, it's pretty simple, at least in terms of just straight size, to go from a Sovier Reineke to Sasha Busey as one of your go-to players. Yeah. No, she's, she's been awesome to start the year. Uh, she's a great leader. And, you know, she's getting better every day. She brings it at practice. And, you know, a big – a big emphasis for our team as a whole has been, you know, learning to practice the right way. You know, if you if you take a day off at practice, it's going to sneak up and find you one of those games. So uh, making sure we bring it with great energy every day. And she's been one that's probably been the most consistent of, you know, just getting out of her comfort zone at practice and kind of buying into what we're doing. And I think, you know, that's a direct correlation to the success that she's had to start the season so it's been it's been awesome to have her um but you know looking looking forward to more big things to come that's for sure yeah look at the rest of the team obviously you mentioned a couple of the seniors but some of the uh younger players have seemed to step up a little bit too can you tell us about them some of the ones that so far in the early stage of this year have really shown something make you feel pretty good not just about this season but maybe way way too early crystal ball looking ahead into the seasons to come right yeah uh i mean we have we have some great underclassmen talent uh that's stepping into the program uh we have a freshman that's gotten some really good minutes off the bench in cammy bowman and she is so, so stinking fast i mean it's it's unreal she just she's everywhere which is awesome to have especially defensively um, and she's found a really good role there, you know, to come in, probably guard guard their best player, their best ball handler. And, you know, she stepped up on Saturday and, and really took away their go-to looks of their go-to shooters. So that was that was great to see. And then we have a sophomore point guard in Bailey Lance. And, you know, she she was the point guard last year as well. So, you know, we had higher expectations for her. Um you know, maybe a little bit of a slow start for her. Uh, she's just not shooting the ball great right now. Um, but, you know, just she needs time. She needs reps. Uh, no worries whatsoever there. But, you know, those are two big pieces, especially underclassmen, that are going to have meaningful roles this year and are going to have to take, you know, go guard and face players that are maybe a bit more talented than they are just because of experience. And Thursday, you will take on a Macomb team that, along with yourself, has been one of the better teams in the BVC over these last few seasons. What are some of those things you're looking forward to seeing when you um, square off with them on on uh, Thursday? Yeah, I mean they're they're always ready to go. Uh, they they've always given us great games in the past, and I expect the same to happen on Thursday. Uh, but you know, it's just. Same thing for every game. You know, we got to take away their best looks, uh, keep the keep the ball out of the best players' hands, and we gotta we gotta take care of the ball offensively, get our looks for our players, and you know, hopefully that that results in the win. All right, so I, I, this is my last. You're young and you played when we've covered you. Kind of question, I promise you. It's my last one that I have, but I am curious from a player to coach's perspective. Sure. As a player. What was your favorite gym to play in besides the home gym? Now, as a coach, which one are you most looking forward to actually getting to coach it? I, I have to imagine there's a 
a few highlight ones on your list. Sure, sure. Uh, <clears throat> we go to – let's see. Well, as a player – oh, man. That's tough. I really like uh, Napoleon's gym. Cool okay. field, kind of sits down in. Um, what do they call it? The canyon or something? Something like that? Yeah. yeah. I think it's the canyon. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that place is pretty neat as a player. That was cool to go there. But as a coach, um, I love the Elida Fieldhouse. So that's that's going to be a big one. We have a holiday tournament there uh, later this month. So we'll be, we'll be down there for a little bit. So that'll be exciting. And for, for you guys, uh, unless I read this wrong, is, is Thursday going to be your first road game? It will be. Yeah. We had a crazy stretch of home games to start. So <clears throat> now we're going to have a, you know, some new adversity and we got to go play on the road. So we'll see, see if we're ready to go. Well, and the real question is what's the go-to music in the bus? I mean, we got to have something at the ready for everybody. Man. Hey, the music's on the girls. I told them as long as it's clean, I was like, you guys can listen to whatever you want. Keep me out of it. So that's on them. This has been Van Buren head girls basketball coach, Jaden Tabler. Coach, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us. Good luck throughout uh, the rest of the season and on uh, Thursday when you take on Macomb. Yeah, thanks so much. Appreciate you having me. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll have more here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. It's 10 p.m. and oh shoot, you didn't make that appointment for your aching knee. Guess what? Northwest Ohio Orthopedics is making it easier for patients to schedule their appointments. Online scheduling is now available. Hop online and schedule right away with whatever day and time works best for you and your family. The new online scheduling benefit is available at all six NWO locations. Finlay, Tiffin, Fremont, Fastoria, Bluffton, and Bowling Green. NWO is always working to make things easier for their patients. Go online, schedule, and bam, done. Frickin' chicken chunks, frickin' chicken chunks, frickin' chicken chunks, frickin' chicken chunks. When there's no time to make food for your holiday party, carry out four pounds of frickin' chicken chunks for only $34.99. Give the gift that always fits a $25 Frickers gift card and get five frickin' bonus bucks free. Let them get what they really want. Hi, this is Dawn from the Classic Hits Morning Show, and I've just heard that not all roofs are created equal. Is that true? That is true, Dawn. It's solely dependent on the people installing it. Hi, folks. This is Matt from MJ Brown Roofing Construction Company in Tiffin, Ohio. We're a family-owned company that's been in business since 1936. We're a full-service roofing contractor that have been working on both residential and commercial roofs. So no matter what type of roof you want, we have the expertise and the crews needed to install and maintain your roof for years to come. Call 419-447-5864 for a free, no-obligation inspection and quote today. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. And by the caring employees of the Ropey Corporation. Mac, we are here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Classic, it's 96.7 WBVI ESPN, 1430 AM, 
105.7 FM WFOB. Lance Morris, Matt Common, hanging out with you here. Big thanks to Kevin Harris from Meet at Midfield, along with the comeback and awful announcing for joining us to talk Ohio State football. Van Buren head boys basketball coach Mark Bunn and Van Buren girls basketball coach Jaden Tabler for joining us on the show. If you missed any part of today's show or just want to hear it again, head over to WFOB.com, click on the podcast page. You can hear today's show and our shows and interviews from past seasons. And Matt, a couple things in sports I want to touch on before we go. Baker Mayfield waved by the Panthers and claimed by the L.A. Rams. What do you think about the new landing spot for Baker Mayfield? I mean, it's actually not a bad landing spot for him. It's a place where he can, you know, maybe get maybe get some snaps and maybe get some reps, get give himself a little bit of a uh, last couple weeks of the season preview here for any teams that might be looking for him. And honestly, wouldn't surprise me in the least if the Rams kind of hold on to him. They don't have draft picks. He's still relatively young, was is only four years removed from being the number one overall pick in the draft. So you have Matthew Stafford who's getting up there in age. Maybe Baker Mayfield becomes an LA Ram full time, or it turns into a nice little uh, tryout and demo period for his free agency next off season. But I, I, I'm not opposed to. It. I think it's a decent landing spot. Some big moves in the world of baseball. A reporter jumps the gun last night on Aaron Judge to the San Francisco Giants and. This morning came out, in fact, he will stay with the Yankees. Nine years, $360 million, he decided, reportedly between the Giants, Padres, and Yankees. You think it? Uh, think it's smart for him to stay in the Bronx? Well, yeah. I mean, it's the that field is built for a power hitter like him, number one. And number two, he's probably one of the first players in Major League Baseball history to beat the Yankees at the negotiation game. I mean, he bet on himself said, oh, no, I'm going to roll the dice on this season, hit 62 home runs, and is now one of the most marketable players again in Major League Baseball. So uh, hats off to him. I think it's a good fit. It, it would have been weird seeing him as either a Giant or a Padre. I mean, Giants could have could have made sense, but I don't think it would have worked as well for him. I, I think he's a Yankee through and through. Big thanks to Kevin Harris from Meet at Midfield along with the comeback awful announcing for joining us to talk Ohio State football along with Van Buren head boys basketball coach Mark Bunn and Van Buren girls basketball coach Jaden Tabler. Join us this weekend for our coverage of high school basketball. Friday night we'll have BVC action, Van Buren hosting Macomb. Matt Common and I will have that one on both stations this Friday night. And Saturday afternoon we'll have coverage of girls basketball with Old Fort taking on Liberty Benton in a non-conference matchup. Matt Common and I will have that one around 1.30 Saturday afternoon on Classic Hits 96.7. For my broadcast partner, Matt Common, this is Lance Morris signing off from the Frickers Studios for the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle. Thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your night, everybody.